Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, last week we started out this four-week series talking about how it all starts here. Our worship is the center for our life together as a people, and it is shaped by the way that we understand our mission to be God's people here in this world, sharing this kingdom message that we hear Jesus proclaim in our gospel lesson for today. We also talked last week about the temptation to think about worship as a means to an end. We can use worship as a tool to move us towards that perceived mission, but we always remember that our worship itself is a part of our mission. It's in worship that we enact this kingdom vision, that we're drawn to live out in the world every day, which draws us more closely to this week and the question of greater specificity of why is it that we worship? What's happening when we worship? What is God up to as we gather around the gifts of grace each week? The basic question of why we worship was addressed well by a friend of mine, Bob Rimbo, in a book he wrote a number of years ago called why worship matters. And he says it rather succinctly. He says that our worship matters because we believe that God matters. In other words, he says we worship because God is worth worshiping. God is worth worshiping. And our God, who is the creator of the universe, is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Our God is the first and the last thing in creation. Yet he sent his only son to come into the world to suffer and to die for our sake. This is the one that we declare to be worth our worship for these and many other reasons. This is true for billions of Christians around the globe. This is why we worship, but the question gets far more interesting and nuanced when we pair it with the question of what we believe is happening when we worship. Because a broader answer to the question of why we worship is significantly influenced about what we believe is happening when we gather together here in this assembly. To illustrate that point, consider how another Lutheran theologian, Timothy Wengert, makes a distinction between what Lutherans and many other Christians believe about worship. Wengert's making a point about how we describe what we're doing in worship. He says, liturgy, a Greek word meaning service, was taken over by Christians to describe their Christian worship of God. Gottensdienst, the German word for worship, still relates to that Greek meaning. It means literally service of God. And in Lutheran worship, more than almost any other Christian group, he says, we emphasize not so much how we serve God as how surprisingly God serves us in worship. God serving us versus us serving God. This is why worship can head in vastly different directions depending on how we answer that question for why it is that we worship. 
The why of us serving God could lead us towards a theology of the Almighty demanding our homage and praise. God serving us takes us in the direction of our grateful response to what God has already done for us in Jesus, the servant king. The why is very different then. So why do we worship? Well, if we take our cues from our biblical lessons for today, we could start with the question of why the disciples followed Jesus that day. It's the very beginning of the relationship, but it begins in very dramatic fashion. The act of following Jesus here gets at the initial why of worship for many. Like the disciples, people are looking for more as they come here to join us in worship. There has to be more to this life than the daily grind. People are attracted to the way that Jesus lived his life. They want to know more about the kind of peace and self-awareness that Jesus so clearly possessed. So the disciples come and they follow. They worship so that they can learn more about the way of Jesus and gain more of the wisdom of Jesus. But eventually... When we are following Jesus, we come to that place of tension with the world. We come to realize what Paul tells us, that according to the world's standards, following Jesus is foolishness. His extravagant forgiveness, grace, and love do not square with the general achievement basis for so much of our existence. So eventually... The why of our worship must shift from the initial fascination with the way of Jesus that we see in the gospel for today to the death and resurrection that we see in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Paul sees the fascination with the great teacher coming out in the quarreling about who baptized who. I got baptized by the really smart one. Oh, I got baptized by the really entertaining one, the really nice one, the really famous one, whatever that primary attractional characteristic might be for you. Why do you come to worship here? Well, I find Pastor Lauren just dreamy. But Paul pushes, Paul pushes beyond this attractional part of worship to the heart of the matter. Eventually, our fascination with Jesus or whoever is teaching Jesus must give way to the cross that stands at the heart of our worship. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Eventually, we have to put our pursuit of great wisdom as our salvation to death, along with everything else that we think might save us, and put our trust in the salvation of Jesus won through his death and resurrection. Eventually, we have to die to our thoughts of our own found salvation and trust in the salvation that is only found by being grafted into the body of the risen Christ. And then, having been freed of our pursuit of our own salvation, we're freed to truly serve others as Christ serves us. 
that's when the why of worship really shifts. It's not so much about a pursuit of wisdom as it is a celebration of the freedom gained in Jesus. And it becomes a summons for how to participate in the unleashing and the sharing of God's resurrection power in the world. For if Christ died for us, then Christ died for all. And Christ calls us to share the kingdom hope and love with all. So why do we worship? We worship to celebrate and give thanks for the victory of the cross. We worship to be reminded that our salvation belongs to Jesus. We worship to embody the loving, peaceable kingdom that we want to see in the world when we live in Jesus. We worship to be a sign, a light on the hill, a hope-filled promise to the world that there is a better way. And we come to have a taste of that way here so we can be sent into the world with more grace, more hope, more joy, and more love to share. Why do we worship? What's happening when we worship? What perspective do we bring to our worship that shapes our understanding of what happens here? Back to that winger distinction between what our serving God versus God serving us in worship means. His colleague Gordon Lathrop takes the distinction further as he talks about it in terms of the vision of the book of Revelation, of that holy city where there's the tree of life that stands at the heart of the city with healing in its wings for the nation and the leaves for the nations. He says the central things of Christian worship are not so much the things that we do as events where God has promised to act. There is no temple in the city. God and the Lamb take its place. That is, our praise, our worship, our action, our sacrifice, even our seeking are not the heart of Christian worship. God's presence, God's gift, the very fruit of the tree of life is. And the implication then of this and how it looks different, he describes and the difference between simply worshiping God and worship that we celebrate in word and sacrament, which he says is worship with the giving away of the leaves and the fruit of the tree at its center. Astonishing mercy. God uses our assembly, our words, our actions with water, bread, and wine, our place and our time as the means of the presence of these leaves and this fruit. We're freed, we're fed. We're given a foretaste that is to come gathered here around the tree of life with healing for the nations. We're given these gifts freely to then share them with others freely. Why do we worship? We worship to receive the most precious gifts of grace that are offered for this world. And why do we worship? So that we can share these gifts with others. So that all might come to know the peace and the love of God. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.